Psalm 104. Keep your Bibles open or mark your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 104. As I preach the message tonight, the God of all creation. They sang the song, God is all I need. And that's exactly what the psalmist tells us here. Notice, if you will, in verse number one, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the winds or the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Notice, if you will, the very last verse of Psalm 104, verse 35. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. And he ends as he begins. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. You've certainly blessed the singing and blessed our hearts with it. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts are prepared to praise you and recognize who you are tonight. Uh, Lord, in all of the activities and all of the uh, things that we do in life, in church, in ministry, we, may we never forget it is the person of Christ that we worship and that we praise. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in the message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week I was reading, week before last, I was reading in our family morning Bible reading time, and I chose this psalm. It was a random choice uh, to read Psalm 104 that morning. I read mostly and have for many years, all the years that we've been married and rearing our children. I've read mostly from Proverbs and Psalms, though we have read Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments many, many times and occasionally other passages, but most of the time uh, Psalms and Proverbs. As I read Psalm 104 that morning, it blessed my heart. So I read it again the next morning. And uh, I read it or a part of it for four different times in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it, just, it just blessed my heart. It caused me to think of the Lord all day. And I just did that day after day after day. And I just kept wanting to go back to Psalm 104. It's certainly a psalm of praise to God. It recognizes Him and His power. It is a psalm that increases our faith and our confidence in God. It is a psalm that causes me to realize how dependent I am on God. It's a psalm that makes me feel safe. It makes me feel secure. It makes me feel loved by Him. It is a psalm that reminds me of God's provision for me. As I did some reading and studying of Psalm 103 and 104, I found that they are similar in many ways. Psalm 103 celebrates God as the God of all circumstances. The God of all circumstances. Psalm 104 celebrates Him as the God of creation. 
Psalm 103 magnifies God's grace. Psalm 104 magnifies God's glory. Psalm 103 magnifies God's mercy. And Psalm 104 magnifies God's might. As you go through Psalm 104, you'll find as he talks about the creation, he follows the plan as we read in Genesis chapter 1. In verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 104, we have days 1 and 2 of the creation. The first half of day 3 is in verses 5 through 9. The second half of day 3 is in verses 10 through 18. Days 4, 5, and 6 are in verses 19 through 30. And day 7 in verse number 31 through 35. The psalm begins and ends with the words, Bless the Lord, O my soul, not just my lips, but from within my heart and soul. Not just to sing it to hear a sound. Not just to sing it to hear a tune. But with all of my heart and soul to say, God, thank you for who you are. And I'm amazed at your greatness and most amazed that you know me and that you love me. The beginning of the psalm and the ending of the psalm, Bless the Lord, O my soul, reminds us that we will never be done with the theme of praising God. In fact, the seraphims of heaven circle his throne and they say, holy, holy, holy. As the book of Revelation opens, it tells the story that the choir sang in the opening song tonight as the question is asked, who is worthy to open the book? And there was weeping, but they said, oh, weep not. There's one that is worthy to open the book and that is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why we must be reminded and on a regular basis of our great God. We do not want to allow fear to replace, uh, uh, we do not want to allow uh, fear to replace our faith or worry to replace our work or despair to replace our hope. That's why we sing about him. That's why we preach about him. That's why we read the word daily about him to be reminded as we see all of the circumstances and many of them challenging and difficult. We're reminded no matter how great the circumstance or the challenge, our God is greater. In spite of the fact that creation, and, and, and boy, I've given this thought, in spite of the fact that creation is in bondage to sin since the fall of man, we live in an amazing universe run by divinely ordained law. You know, as we groan to be clothed upon with our new body, do you know the world or the earth groans to be released from the curse of sin? I don't have time to go into it. I will later. Romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 23 talks about not only the fact that we look forward to the day that we'll have a new body. Our new body will not hurt. Our new body will not sorrow. Our new body will not have any pain. Our new body will not fail our Lord it will not fail in sin and temptation and we'll be able to give God finally what he deserves in our praise and glory. But as we yearn for that new body, this world groans and it yearns for the day that the curse of sin will be released. Ah, the world is looking for an antichrist, one that can bring peace to the world and he will bring a false sense of peace 
Ah, but when God sends the Lord Jesus, he returns to the earth. He'll show us what peace is really like. He'll say, as the lamb lays down with the lion and the children can play on the hole of a serpent, he'll say, you can make what looks like peace. I'm the one that gives peace. This chapter is divided into three parts. I'd recommend that you read it in the next few days or the next few weeks. It's divided into three parts. I'll give those to you tonight. First of all, in verses 1 through 9, we see the greatness of our God. The wording itself is beautiful. The psalm opens with the description of a king that's very great. He wears light for a robe. He has a palace in heaven above the waters. He uses the clouds for his chariot and the winds to move them. His servants are the angels and they serve as quickly and invisibly as the wind and possess the awesome power like the power of the flames of fire. This king is so great that creating the heavens was as easy as putting up a simple tent for a covering. Though he hung the world on nothing, it remains firmly fixed as if it is resting on a foundation that cannot be moved. When the earth was made, it was wearing deep garments, uh, uh, deep uh, waters uh, like a garment. But one command from the king, and those waters were frightened away, and they were told when they could return. And when they returned uh, and, and went to the place of their belonging of, and of his command, they did not dare go beyond the established boundaries. Have you ever stood at the edge of the ocean and felt the power of the waves as they come? And sometimes as they go out, we get braver and braver. And then they increase and increase. And I, if it gets past my ankles, that's where my bravery ends. And, uh, and, and I get back, but you realize, and you'll see a, a sign that says something like warning uh, sleeper waves. And uh, those waves can come up and pull you out. But have you ever stood there and wondered, what keeps that sea, what keeps that roaring and powerful ocean inside those boundaries? What keeps it from flooding the entire world? I'll tell you what keeps it, it, keeps it in its boundaries. The powerful and almighty God that we serve, even the winds and the waves, the oceans, they obey his command. All of his creation work, the Lord revealed himself in his power and glory. Day and night the visible things of creation shout aloud to the inhabitants of the earth that there is a God. He is powerful and he is wise and all people are accountable to him just as creation is enough testimony to say to the world, I am God and I am in control. How beautiful the words are of verses 1 through 9 as we learn of the greatness of our God. The second part of the psalm is divided into verses 10 through 23. And I would also include verses 27 through 30. And these talk about the generosity of our God. You know, it's one thing to be great. It's another thing to be generous. I've known folks that are wealthy, but they're stingy. God is wealthy, but he's generous. How wonderful. 
Follow along. Let's look at verses 10 through 14 in just a sample. He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers, and the earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb or herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. God did not wind up the clock of creation to just let it run down and die. As you read these verses, you find that the verb tense indicate that God is constantly at work 24 hours a day, seven days a week since God himself established time working to meet the needs of his creation. You'll find an emphasis on the water, both the springs in verse number 10 and the rain in verse number 13. For water is a precious commodity. Now think of this. Our houses, our buildings, they're plumbed in a way that water is convenient. It's where we need it. We put it in a place, whether it's an outside spigot or whether it's at a sink or a bathroom. We plumb it inside the house. And we have either running water or a tank of water that provides water when we need it. Oh, but can I tell you something? There was no city or government that organized the water falling from the sky to take care of the grass that would feed the cattle that would feed you and I. My brother told me, he said, did you know I'm a vegetarian? I said, no, I don't think so. He said, I am. He said, the cows eat the grass and I eat the cows. I said, I think you're a little confused, but it sounds good to me. But you understand, as we've organized the water, and, and we have to have it, God organizes the water to fall from the sky, to water the fields, to water the grass, that it may feed the animals of the world. Do you see how God is in control? The mountains in verse 13, they refer to the upland regions where the grain grows. And God supplies not only water for vegetation, but also food for the birds and for the animals. Look at verse 14. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Look at verse 21. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. You say, oh, they're just wild. They just find their food. The Bible says God feeds them. Look at verse number 27. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Let's not get too proud to think we've produced everything 
all we do is not much more than what the children of Israel did when they went through the wilderness. All we do is gather what God has provided. And if his provision stops, we're not going to live. God is the giver and the provider. God uses the cooperation of the farmer and the herdman to provide this food. Verse 14, wine, oil, and bread were the basics in the life of the people in biblical days. The wine was the fruit of the vine, diluted with water, and drunkenness was not acceptable. Wine, oil, and water are symbols of the Holy Spirit, and they're symbols of life. And bread speaks of the nourishing word of God, and God has written spiritual truths and prayers principles into the very world of nature all we can do is study it all we can do is discover it all we can do is talk about it all we can do is bring honor and glory for the great God who's not just great but he's generous without the days and nights and seasons there could be no faithfulness I'm sorry fruitfulness on the earth so he praises God in this psalm for the sun and the moon Talking about the seasons. Did you know the Hebrew calendar for worship of special days was built around the seasons? A time of planting and a time of harvest. And there were special days that they would come and have feast. And those feasts were not just to enjoy the generosity of God but to give glory to the God that was so generous to them. They had special, uh, special monthly celebrations, and without the cycle of day and night and of the seasons, life would come to an halt. All of creation looks expectantly to the Lord to provide what it needs, and God cares for us in such a generous manner. You think food comes from a store. Oh, men have just gathered it and placed it there for buying and selling but it's God that causes the fruit to bear it's God that causes the vegetables to grow it's God that gives the water from the sky to water the fields and to take care of his people that he loves how foolish when we as his creation made in the image of God think we could make it alone you can't make it alone in fact, it's not just the one who does recognize him and trust him. The very heathen who curses his name are at the control of a generous God. You know, the Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. God takes care of the heathen as much as he does those that live by faith in him, those that love him and those that praise him. How foolish, how foolish. When God provides the very breath in our nostrils and he can turn it off as he says in this verse and we would die. I want to say tonight we need to recognize who he is and we ought to say praise God for his generosity. I know mankind has learned to control a great deal of nature but the issues of life and death are still in the hands of God. You know a couple of years ago I was invited by President Trump to ride with him. And not only did I, I went to several meetings that he was in in that day, about three and a half hours all together. One of the meetings that I sat in, uh, there were uh, governors and there were uh, attorney generals. There were, oh, I don't know, uh, different folks that were in the room. And the purpose of that meeting was to talk about sustainable energy. 
And the question and the problem was posed, what do we do in America if the terrorist or an enemy were to strike our electric grid? And they talked about, and, and, and you saw this week, just, just the pipeline being uh, hacked or hijacked or blocked or whatever they did to it, or if they did anything or they just scared us, I don't know. And, and everything, I mean, w w was held up just a day of supply. And they were talking about in that meeting, what, what do we do? And we have to figure out some type of sustainable energy. The president said in his typical way, he folded his arms. He said, look, this is not difficult. The only sustainable energy we have is coal. Do we have to let China be so smart and make us look so dumb that we're afraid of hurting something so we kill ourselves? Because we're afraid to burn coal. And, 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 and you know what he was saying? God's provided that. You know what he was saying? We're dependent on God. Like it or not, as much as man would try to control, God is in control. And I am glad not only that he's great, I'm glad he's generous. Last of all, in verses 24 through 35, we see the glory of God. Verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is the great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is the Leviathan. That's a lot of different definitions. It's a it's a sea creature that God made. You say you believe it's there. That's what it says in that verse right there. The Bible says the well swallowed Jonah. If it said Jonah swallowed the well, I'd believe it if that's what the Bible says. Whom thou hast made, notice this, to play therein. I have a little fish tank in my office, and I enjoy watching those fish. God's got a big sea monsters in the sea. He likes to just watch them play. It is something how folks will travel from around the world to see the big whales and to see them and, and, and how huge and how beautiful his creation is. I cannot describe, not even an introduction, the glory of God. Whether we study invisible microscopic life, whether we study visible plant and animal life, human life, or the many things that has no life, the diversity in creation is just amazing. God could have made a world that was black and white, plain and simple, but he made the world so beautiful, full of color, varying seasons, a multitude of plants and animals, humans that are billions in number and yet none are alike. A world filled with musical sounds and many types and kinds of food. Only a wise God could have planned so many different things. And only a powerful God could have brought them into being. The earth is full of his riches. I want to say tonight, quit worrying about what men are worrying about and start praising God for what the Bible says to praise about. Enjoy life in Christ there are things that we suffer in this life and in this world because of the curse of sin. Oh, but my dear friend, when you step back, you realize God is in control of all things. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a generous God. He's a God 
that's full of glory. What should we do? First of all, we ought to glorify God with our lives. Second of all, we ought to trust in the Lord in all of the circumstances of life. Third of all, we ought to be good stewards of all that God has. We learned about it in Sunday school this morning. Number four, we ought to praise God. In fact, I believe you ought to begin every day praising God. You ought to praise him until your worry is gone. Praise him until your fear is rolled away. When I struggle with fear, I write down what I fear and what I'm concerned about. No matter what it is, I write it down. I write God's name down beside of it, and I make the mark which one is greater. And every time God wins, he's the greater than God. Number five, we ought to think about him. We'll rejoice in his goodness. Verse number 35, we pray for Christ's return. We share the gospel with others because there's coming a time that sin is going to be judged. And only the righteous, those that are righteous in Christ, by grace through faith in him, will enjoy eternity in heaven. Stand with me, if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.